Oh, hello and welcome to The Witch's Grim. Stories and education with a witchy twist. If it's weird, we want to talk about it. So, pull up a broom, holster that wand, and get comfy, because we're about to get started. Hello, lovelies, and thank you for joining us today. We are going to talk about Netta Fornario. How do you say it? Fornario is how I've seen. Yeah, Fornario is how I've seen everybody. The mysterious death of Netta Fornario. Yes. So this story takes place in 1929 on the island of Iona in Scotland. Um, Netta lived there for a short time when she was 33 years old. Um, She was an eccentric person uh, to the point where she constantly wore her long black hair and two really well-kept braids. And she made her own clothing, but it wasn't um, normal for that time period. It was like bright and super eccentric and and out of, you know, character for everybody else. And she wore a ton of silver jewelry. I just think of her as this super eclectic, eccentric, bohemian person, (laughs) if that makes any sense. So some people likened her image, if you can imagine it. Now there's a picture online, if you guys go looking for her, that people credit as being her, but there's actually been proven it's a different person that's associated with her but isn't her um but she kind of looks like Beatrice Black uh I think is is her name from Harry Potter the the evil aunt that had um the curly black hair yeah yeah that murdered yeah 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 yeah. um that was part of the Death Eaters or whatever they were called um Carter's character yes Helen Bonham and Carter yeah so definitely (laughs) people say that they think that she kind of looked like that so she had light eyes as one of one of the people said um her clothes were very colorful and and made of different materials so she really didn't give two shits about what people thought as far as her clothing was concerned but but also kind of just giving people a little bit of background as to why this was a big deal so this was on she went to this island right this was like after the the world war one this was after spanish flu sound familiar yes and there was this big spiritual awakening and the bohemian movement and she was totally immersed in the bohemian movement so that's why she dressed really weird not only her her hair was all like black and worn in a non-special way in the 20s but then her clothing was unusual she surrounded herself with people that were like her so um she was she was an interesting character and um she was wealthy so i I only say that because a lot of us aren't going and jumping on planes or boats and going to spiritual retreats in iona in scotland (laughs) because we don't have the funds to do so but she did yes her name was actually nora nora emily Fenario, um, and she was born in 1897 in Egypt. When she was young, her family and her friends called her Netta, or Mag is what um, people have said. So her father was um, Giuseppe Nicola Romando Fenario. (laughs) I can't, yeah, that's a tongue twister. He's an Italian doctor. And her mom was um, Edith Ling, she was an English woman, and she sadly passed away a year after she was born. And so this led up to her her father sending her to live with her grandfather in London, um, and he placed her in um, a pretty you know uppity 
boarding school for girls and she kind of was out of place there. It wasn't really her thing, but she just kind of went along with it and did what she was expected to do as women did back, you know, in the day. And she um, didn't really find herself. Um, I mean, she was, it says she was always interested in the occult um, and things like that. It was kind of up and coming back in the twenties and uh, she really enjoyed all of that stuff, but she didn't really find her people until she was in her mid twenties. The late, the late 1800s brought us the spiritualist movement. So if you guys aren't familiar with the spiritualist movement, that's when everybody was sitting around in their parlors doing seances and messing with, you know, the occult and, and people grew obsessive with old texts and things like that. And then as we moved into the early 1900s, um, obviously that carried through, you've got big groups that were built on these ideas, like I said, the Bohemian movement. Um, and she, you know, this is just like many of us find our paths. She was already interested in this stuff and then found a group of people that were like, Hey, that we've, we've been studying this stuff. I mean, I would jump in an opportunity if some cool group was to say, well, I, I don't know if I would, cause there's a lot of cult <laughs> mentality out there these days, but still, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Um, so once she, you know, found her people, she, let's see here. So she was really into the occult. She had, there was many societies where like the high class members of society were in this and she was a high class member of society. So it wasn't unusual for a girl to be interested in this and at these places. And so she was a, a member of a few um, orders. She became a member of the Alpha at Omega, and, and that's an offshoot of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. So I'm sure that many of you know or have heard of that before. <laughs> and if you haven't, then you need to get to studying. Yes. So she most likely, as I said in the beginning, probably started having her spiritual awakening, like the really big spiritual awakening in her mid-20s. Um, she's starting to get into occultism. She's starting to study it. She's a member of high society, and a lot of these groups were also members of high society. A lot of times, Freemasons, you'll find Freemasons to be people who are making decisions in government. It's very hoity-toity. There's a fraternity where you're rubbing elbows with big names in you know, your area. And there's also, um, if you guys want to look into Freemason, but you also want to look a little bit into if there's a female version that is very mystical, and that is the Order of the Eastern Star, which my grandmother was actually a member, my great-grandmother was a member of the Order of the Eastern Star, and then my grandfather on the other side was a Mason. So um, I'm not surprised that I have, you know, mystical family members, but then there was, you know, a lot of these groups were founded by Masons. So the Eastern Star was founded by a Mason and the Order of the Golden Dawn was actually founded by two Freemasons. Yeah, two Freemasons decided to start the Order of the Golden Dawn. Now, the thing about the Order of the Golden Dawn that you guys, if you haven't done a lot of study for, is the reason that you've probably heard of the Order of the Golden Dawn, even if you know nothing about them, you've probably heard of them, is because they are considered one of the groups that has been the most influential on modern Western witchcraft and occultism today, period. End of sentence. They influence modern paganism. They influence modern witchcraft. 
The Golden Dawn is the reason that you guys have the Rider Waite Tarot deck today. It was actually created by a member of the Golden Dawn. Um, modern ideas of initiation and things like that come from the Order of the Golden Dawn. And some very notorious characters come from the Order of the Golden Dawn. And one of those is Alistair Crowley. We can do an episode on the Golden Dawn if you guys would like, uh, because there's lots of interesting stories, lots of interesting characters, some good, some bad that were part of the Golden Dawn. Uh, very interesting. But one of the things about the Golden Dawn and reason there was so many orders is because they got a little bit too big for their britches and the founder decided that he was going to make up these, these things that kind of like were guides for the, for the Golden Dawn but only he was allowed to talk to them. So other members that were a little higher in the order were like, well, that's not fair. Like if I do the work, I should be able to talk to him too. And he was like, no, because of this, the people were like, fuck you, dude, we'll go start our own orders. One of the people who this was a situation with was the founder's wife, Myra, Moira, I can't remember. I think it's Myra. Um, she, after her husband died, which he actually died during the Spanish flu. Isn't that interesting? Um, after he died, she took over the order, but she did such a terrible job. And like, it, it, was, it wasn't really cool to be part of, like I said, we can do a whole episode on the Golden Dawn, but it wasn't really cool to be part of. So one of her, her members, one of her initiates, um, Dion Fortune, decided that she was going to create her own order. And that is the order that or become part of a new order and then eventually she created her own order and that was the order that netta was a part of was that um what was it called something omega the alpha at omega yeah so that that was a new order that somebody else started that she that dion you know went to and then she ended up um creating her own and and she mentored yeah. netta for a little while she mentored her so one of the things that was interesting about the order with this, this Myra lady or whatever her name was, was that they would have meetings astrally. So that was like a big thing. Obviously they were culturally appropriating the hell out of shit. Like when aren't white people doing that shit? And so they stole all this stuff from the Kabbalah and all this stuff from other Eastern mysticism. And so one of the things was astral projection and hanging out in the astral realm. Dion left the order that that Myra belonged to and she was like uh every time she went to astral project she was kind of feeling weird so a situation happened where um Dion was forced to go to one of these astral meetings where they had this astral meeting so they're having their meeting and uh Dion was so freaked out by what was going to happen that she had friends come over and watch her body trusted people come over and watch her body and she showed up in the astral realm and then this Myra lady showed up and basically said, you're not allowed to be here anymore and yeeted her out of the astral realm back into her body. And when she got back, she had these weird scratches all over her body. She felt really, really sore. At one point she did try to go back into the astral realm. She was like, fuck you, bitch. Um, bet, you know, as the youngins yeah. would say, bet. Um, and so she she ran back into the astral realm and then she got yeeted a second time, which she said she was yeeted so badly that the furniture was even like all over the room and she was on the other side of the room. I mean, she 
Yes. <laughs> she got her ass whooped on both an astral and a physical. Physical plane. <laughs> yeah. So obviously Myra was, you know, potentially very powerful. Okay. She had been doing this a while. She was one of the founding members. She, she was very powerful. Um, so she didn't like Dion, obviously. Uh, she was, she was pretty pissed off. Um, and then Netta by association is what some say. So then Netta decides she's going to go to, to, uh, to Scotland. So do you want to talk about that, Lacey? Yeah. Um, so she, so through her time with the societies and with Dion, she learns about this small island in Scotland, um, Iona. So it's, it's located off the coast of Scotland. It's really tiny. It's only like um, they said at one and a half miles wide by three miles long. And there's only about a hundred or so people that live on this island. And so um, I, you know, if you want to know anything about it, it says, you know, that it was St. Columbo discovered a hill on that island where he supposedly could speak to the fairies or the still folk, uh, the, you know, Scottish people call them different things than everybody else does. Anyway, so he could apparently go there and speak to the fairies. And um, she was just, you know, enthralled with this and she wanted to go and, and find this area and just explore the hell out of this <laughs> this island and she did yeah um so yeah i mean they they you know there's there's sayings about the island uh, mystics claim that the veil between the natural and spiritual world out there is the thinnest anywhere on I- iona and so yeah um it's definitely a place that um naturally we will visit one day <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> to discover this yes so um yeah, so she decides that's where she needs to be. Um, she packs up all of her freaking belongings, everything, even furniture, tells her maid she's heading here. She doesn't know how long she's going to be there. And she just shows up and um, shows up at this island, the McRae family, I believe is what their name is. Um, and she just kind of squats there. <laughs> so there's different different things. Some say she stayed in a room in their house. Some say that there was a cottage that she, you know, she used. So I don't know, but. So the McCrae's, um, so just so you guys know, Iona is still to this day known as like this spiritual place, which makes me think that there's probably a meridian intersection there. Um, the reason it's really famous is it was spiritual long before the monk showed up. He was actually exiled. I'd love to look into more why he was exiled. I forgot to do that in research, but he was exiled. He showed up with himself and 12 friends. Weird. Uh, and he it's actually considered the birthplace of Celtic Catholicism. And so it's very spiritual. And obviously there's a fairy mound there, which, you know, probably has its own spiritual significance. Um, long before the the uh, Christians showed up and um I forgot where I was going with this but um yeah so it's it's just this super spiritual place oh the McCrae's so people 130,000 people show up a year so this is still a pretty big tourist attraction even back then it was a big tourist attraction so the McCrae's actually would be just like a bed and breakfast type thing where they would either, I don't know if it was a house. I heard a guest house um, where they had her. 
And so she just basically showed up uh, at the McCrae's, probably showed up in the area and was like, hey, I need a place to stay. And they sent her to the McCrae's. McCrae's were very, very nice people, especially Mrs. McCrae. She was very hospitable. She always took care of, they were used to having, you know, people who were coming to visits in the island stay there um, and gave her her own space and, and you know, kind of checked in on her and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, they, uh, it's also said that she came to this island with a female companion that nobody ever saw. No one ever met this person, but she claims that she arrived there with her. <laughs> so, yeah. So she told Miss, Mrs. McRae when she arrived that she was going to be there a while and that she had brought with her another female companion, a friend of hers. But Mrs. McRae said that the entire time that she stayed there the several several weeks or whatever that she was there that she never saw this other person. Yes, yeah. So yeah, so Netta spends hours and hours exploring the island, the moors and studying all of the rocks. Um she spends days at this fairy hill and um so after some time Netta starts to tell the McRae family about why she's there. They already thought she was a peculiar person, you know, um, but, you know, if you don't believe in this kind of stuff, it's just, you're just really going to think she's peculiar <laughs> after that. But um, she starts to tell her that she is a telepathic healer and she believes that she's actually been to Iona before in a previous life. So she just feels like she needs to be there. Um, and so, you know, according to them, according to the McCrae's, they said that she kept two oil lamps burning in her room all night long, every single night. And she didn't wake up till past 11 and she would spend hours, um, in all like on this fairy hill all at all times of day. It didn't matter if it was freezing cold, she would just stay out there constantly. And then when she would come back, she would go into like this trance-like state and be in it for days. And they started to really worry about her um, mentally and think, you know, that something might be off with her. And she, um, you know, she insisted that they, they not contact a doctor because they had said to her, you know, I, maybe we should get you looked at. And she's like, no, it's totally fine. This happens all the time. Even if I'm in this state for a week, don't worry about it. I'm it's totally okay. You know? And so they were just like, okay, well, you know, you're just an odd duck, but we'll let you be, you're not hurting us and you're not hurting yourself, you know? So, um, they said that she would ramble on for hours about, you know, spiritual realms and, um, talk really, really fast when she would get into these translates like states, she would just talk forever, just super fast. Um, but yeah, she, she, I don't know, kind of like us, we're talking about things that we enjoy. So we're talking really fast and excited about it and getting a little bit excitable, but, um, yeah, I mean, she, she, they even said that she would refuse to close her curtains because she said she saw the, because she, you know, did telepathic healing. She saw the faces of her clients in the clouds and she felt like if she closed her curtains, she was shutting them out. So she would never, never close her curtains. And um, so, yeah, let me catch my breath. <laughs> well, then, well, then things took a turn. 
Yes. She, she uh, would always wander off. She would always return, but she'd wander off for hours on end. She'd come in late at night and things like that. So the family kind of started to get used to this. And, um, and then one day she came home and she was panicked and she was frantic and she started packing her things. And she's like, I'm getting out of here. I'm leaving. I'm being attacked telepathically. And they said, she looked crazy. Like her hair was all crazy. It wasn't the normal way that it was kept. She looked paler than usual. Like she had been getting sick. Um, that she had she, dark eyes. Yeah. Like she wasn't getting any sleep. She just didn't look really well. And the ferry didn't run on Sundays when she wanted to leave. So she just was like, screw this. And she went and waited and then she was gone a while and then it was cold and then she came back and she I'm gonna hold my shit down anyways. <laughs> yeah. She was like, screw this. Yeah. I'm going yeah. anyways. I'm just going to go wait. And then they said when she came back, she was fine. And she's like, oh no, I'm staying. Yes. And she even, so she even wrote one of the things that, that um, I thought was interesting was she wrote her maid back in London a few days before her disappearance and she was like, oh, I, you probably won't hear from me for a while. I'm on a, what did she call it? A healing. Healing. Advent, a healing adventure. It. It's going to be. And she I, didn't know I'm getting, I'm getting much healing on or something along yeah. those lines. Yeah. Um, which nobody really knows what the hell that means. Like, was she doing some pretty heavy shadow work? Like, right. Was she like well, going and soaking in some weird like marsh or something like that? Like yeah. what the hell is that even? Well, mean? and then we forget to say that when she told them she was leaving and she was, um, you know, frantic, she told them that she was being attacked psychically, right? But that she also saw a ship in the sky, an utter, an utterless, right? Ship Utter, in utterless, the sky. utterless. Yeah. I don't think it. I don't think it. Utters. I think most ships are utterless. <laughs> rudderless <laughs> I know what I'm saying <laughs> um yeah so whatever that could be I mean yeah <laughs> weird like a, yeah a and that her rudderless um, ship and then her jewelry was turning black um she wore you know like I said in the beginning she wore all kinds of silver jewelry and her silver jewelry was now black and they they definitely noticed that <laughs> Yeah. So one of the things that I did want to kind of like interject is um, I've been to Scotland. We, we, my husband and I have the privilege of living in England for a little while. We now live in Germany, as many of you longtime listeners know. Um, and so we were able to do a little bit of traveling. And one of the places that I really wanted to see, and he really wanted to see was Loch Ness. So we went to Scotland and we were so impressed by Scotland that we were like, now we know why the Brits won't give it up. Um, absolutely stunning the most magical place i've ever been and my most favorite place in the on the planet is cornwall england now super magical location but scotland tops them all like i live in a magical location here in germany scotland still tops them all so freaking there's just something sparkly about the freaking air there i don't know if scots will agree with me but probably <laughs> um but there's just something about it there um and so she, you know, she's talking about how people want to go to Iona and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden this, this, the, all these resources started talking about her black and jewelry. And I'm like, what the hell does black and jewelry have to do with this area? 
So to kind of give you guys a little bit of science behind it, Iona is obviously an island that is surrounded by seawater. Um, one of the things to know is that oftentimes you will find high sulfur content in the water of areas that are located near the ocean. So what happens is coral dies, and when coral dies, it, it turns into um, sandstone, I believe. And once it turns into sandstone, as natural water starts to go through it, it changes the composition and that it kind of leaches the sulfur out of it. And then the sulfur will end up in the water. So when I lived in Florida, which is what I consider myself from, every evening when the sprinklers would turn on, it would smell like a big fart. And it would actually stain the sides of your house. Every you know few uh, couple times a year, you'd have to get your house sprayed down to get rid of the, it looks like a rust stain. And that was the sulfur in the water. And so high sulfur content is actually really, really good for your skin. It's actually really good for you to ingest. Our body naturally will do some um, metabolizing of sulfur. Sulfur is actually really great for skin breakouts. Um, if you ever go to Iceland and you go get into the Blue Lagoon, high sulfur content there. So sulfur in itself is amazing for your skin and your hair and everything else. Um, but it's not great for jewelry. No. <laughs> so when your silver jewelry is exposed to high concentrations of sulfur, then it will turn Fuse. black. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but what I found really interesting about hearing her, her jewelry turning black was, and I shared this with um, Lacey, I have jewelry that I wear that is protective. So I have silver hoops that are in my ear. If you ever see me up close, you'll be able to see them. And then I have evil eye earrings that sit in the very front. So I have three holes on each of my ears. And the last two hoops, I had been in Qatar for several months. And Qatar, again, is a place that's located near the ocean, high sulfur content in the water. So I had been there months with no issues with my silver jewelry. And then I started to experience a spirit in my room, which many later on said that they believe was a gen. I also believe was a gen. Um, and when that happened, one ear, the jewelry on one ear turned black. And then a few days later, the jewelry on the other ear turned black. So I was like, I wonder if there's like a connection between spirituality and your silver jewelry turning black. But they do say that that's actually how you can tell if your jewelry is real is if it's exposed to sulfur, it'll turn black. Absolutely. <laughs> so that was my tangent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and so, uh, you know, at the beginning of this, we were talking about all the different possibilities that, you know, things could be, um, you know, and it's it's a very big possibility. Obviously, I work with Faye. I, I believe- No, wait, 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 wait. Before you get into the possibilities, <laughs> let's talk about our actual death. <laughs> oh. <laughs> let's talk about her dying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, so where were we? Oh, okay. So she comes back from the docks. Uh, you know, she she's not mad that the fairy's not there. I think she just finally realized, you know, oh, that's right. It is it is the Sabbath where you know it's nothing's gonna be running today. So she uh hauls her shit back to the house, says she's gonna be, you know, staying, and then decides she's gonna take a nap. Um, and she she doesn't come out for a while if i remember correctly and so um miss mccray goes in to check on her and she's not there but before she gets to her room she can smell smoke and she doesn't know why she smells this smoke until she opens the door and the room is kind of filled with smoke the fireplace is going um she when she first got there it said that she um 
would con like for days she just sat there and wrote um constantly was writing things down they thought she was writing poetry who the hell knows what she was writing I mean you know um but all of those writings that she had done were now in the fireplace burning and um along the lines as well with the sulfur um she could smell the sulfur uh, from the sulfur powder I believe that she was using for protection you know mm-hmm and you so she, that. Yeah, so she thought she was being psychically attacked. And one of the things that the Order of the Golden Dawn and a lot of these orders would use was actually burn sulfur and then kind of cleanse yourself essentially with the sulfur as a means of kind of doing an exorcism is what I heard mm-hmm. and kind of doing a protection. So she thought she was being psychically attacked and she was trying to re-cleanse the energy. Yes, yeah. So um, so this was all happening, but... Um, and her oil lamps were still burning from the night before, except for the shades were off of them. So it was just an open flame. And, uh, but Netta was gone. She was nowhere to be seen. Um, she was known to just kind of leave whenever. So they just assumed she was out t- going for a walk, uh, trying to clear her head. Um, so they didn't think anything much, you know, more of it. And they all went to bed. And the next morning they go, you know, to check on her and she's still gone. <laughs> so um of course it's a small island they're pretty you know they're a community they they contact everybody let them know that she is missing she it's not unlike her it's not like her to not come home Mm -hmm. um without first saying that she was going to be gone for a while and so they they did a massive um hunt for her um they looked i believe for a few hours till it got too cold um and then went back home and it wasn't until two days later was it two days so the next day the next they, day some people decided two guys with the same first name and I can't remember what their first names were um yeah. decided that they were going to go out and check the moors and because that was the place that they hadn't checked um before so yeah. these and that's where this fairy hill is located yep so the I think they had a dog with them if I'm not remembering yes. it incorrectly and the dog is the one that started going crazy and found her Yes. Yeah. So the crazy thing is, is that, um, you know, she, you know, it's not unusual for, um, somebody that practices, you know, is involved in the occult to do things sky clad. She was naked. Um, the only thing she was wearing was a black cape and Mm -hmm. she had, um, a, a dagger with her. She had, um, little scratches all over her feet and her body and her they it says that it was freezing cold the night before so when they found her her face was frozen the way that she had died and she it was horrific mm-hmm. she was terrified of whatever the whatever happened whatever saw her uh, they didn't know if the scratches on her feet were from her running from something um or running some you know to get somewhere but she uh, was terrified of whatever it was. And when they moved her body, there was a cross um, etched into the ground. And they don't know if she etched that in with the knife that she had and then laid on top of it for some kind of a protection, uh, you know, thing. She, uh, but uh, yeah. She, some sources say that that was supposedly how you communicated with the fairies of the mound was that you carved a cross into it. Now, different people will say, she was laying on it. Some say that she wasn't laying on it. Some say it was large. Some say it was, you know, just over to the side. 
but they all believe that she carved it into this mound potentially as a means of communicating with the fae right yeah so uh and the weird thing is so they they aren't still sure to this day how she died um some people think you know she froze to death some think she had a heart attack Uh, she was scared to death literally and and died from heart failure um it could be murder um they taught you know some of the townspeople talk about a, a strange man in a black cloak wandering around the neighborhoods or the the town um leading up to her death and they had no idea who this man was that could just be speculation or you know just murmurs well the other thing to think about is it, for you guys to just as listeners to know this is a really small island they didn't have a full-fledged coroner so the dude gets her takes a look at her and he's like i can't tell how she died he put her time of death between two days yeah so he couldn't actually give a good time of death because this i believe this was in november it was freezing out had been really cold the day before just to give you guys a little bit of information scotland england ireland all close to where iceland would be in the the, the the same section of the hemis the northern hemisphere. The only reason that the area is actually warm is because of the jet stream that comes from the warm air of the United States goes over the Atlantic Ocean and hits it. Otherwise, it would be absolutely freezing. Yeah. Um, and so it is really freaking cold and drizzly and everything in the winters there. And so she was probably walking around at some point, took off her clothes, or somebody removed them. Either way, and so she was naked. She was running around naked. Um, And so the coroner gets her. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know what to do with her. She's frozen. She's like, I don't know how she died, but you know, she's frozen. And so. (laughs) She could have died somewhere between the time she left and right before we found her. Who knows? Right. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And not only that, but because her, her death was considered natural causes because she either died of exposure or she died of a heart attack, then her body and the case was never turned over to the authorities. Right, yes. But she was, she did have some of her writings with her, which was one of the other things, and nobody's ever been able to decipher them, and those were handed over to the London police, but the London police, there was no evidence that they had ever gone through them, that anything ever came of them, so who knows? Right, they probably just chalked it up to incoherent scribblings, you know, but um, yeah, it's it's strange because it's like, so there's only one ferry, one ferry in, one ferry out. Nobody remembers this man ever coming in on the ferry. How did he get there if he was actually there? Um, and then some people said that they saw blue lights in the sky. The you know around her death, the, yeah, yeah. So maybe this um, utterless, this <laughs> rudderless ship was a UFO. Maybe it was. <laughs> Who freaking knows? I don't know. Ooh, that's a, I didn't think about the UFO turn, yeah. spin, whatever. Oh, right. noise. Ooh, that took a nice turn. Um, so uh, Lacey and I were talking before this episode started that when we were doing our research, a lot of the, the crime, the YouTubes and, and blogs and stuff like that that talk about this are not occult based. So we tried to give you a little bit of information on why this was so unusual. So Dion Fortune later stated that Netta was so off her rocker and getting so deep into this stuff that 
she stopped talking to her. Like a few years before, she just stopped contact with her. And she didn't know for like a year or two until after her death that that she had even died. died. Right. Yeah. Um, and she's so she basically, Dion was like, the the stuff, the markings on her body and the the situation in which she died, like she got herself in too deep. And so Dion believes that she really was psychically attacked and put to her death. By Myra. Which was the weird part. So that was one of the things that that you had to really dig to find out. And here's the kicker, listeners. Myra had been dead for a year. Yes. Yeah, so they're like, okay, you know, obviously (laughs) she's dead. How can she psychically attack her, you know, from the dead? Well, I mean, if you believe in this kind of stuff, it's it's absolutely possible. (laughs) I mean... I mean, the circumstances of her death are a little weird to begin uh, with. Everybody of, in the 1920s, I mean, you're, you've got the heels of the cultist movement, the Victorian era where everybody was obsessed with death. Um, and so you, you have, and the Victorians, they were, they were a little cuckoo. Um, and, and so you've, you've gotten into the 1920s. It's the late 1920s at this point. You know, the world's in a different place and you've got, this woman that's talking about all this cuckoo spiritual stuff, all this, all these woo-woo things. You've got um, her jewelry is all black because she wore a lot of silver jewelry, like a lot of jewelry. She was like always had a ton of like I would imagine she kind of looked like a fortune teller. Um, and so the, to see like find her and absolutely terrified, and all of her jewelry is turned black. So just imagine this lady's naked. She's super pale. She's wearing a black cloak. She's got a terrified look on her face and all of her silver jewelry has turned black. Uh, even in the 1920s, in a small farming community on an island that's known for being spiritual, just outside of a fairy mound, you know that all the locals are talking about how the fae kicked her ass. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> well, and that's what brings me to like, okay, so like obviously my first thought would be, you know, she tried to get in touch with some fairies and she fucked up like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's quite possible. Um, but the science side of me wants to say, Oh, she stumbled across like uh, sulfur ponds or any kind of fumes. And she went freaking bananas, lost her fucking mind. And then was running around in circles at nothing. Nothing was there and died, you know, um, died so, from a heart attack. So I, I looked into whether or not you could actually be like sulfur poisoned and I couldn't find anything about the, like the fumes would give you dizziness and nausea and stuff like that, but it wouldn't make you kind of go like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. So what I was thinking is that she started to have, one of the things that was talked about in some of the occult things that I had been doing research on as it pertains to this case was that a lot of people who did the astral projection say that it's very important for you not to have the spiritual realm intersect with your reality, your, your regular human realm. And that if the two start to get too blurred between, um, I don't know if I believe this being a hedge witch, but still, um, if they start to get a little bit too blurred between that, it, it will, it will drive you crazy. And so Dion actually believes that it kind of did drive her crazy, but that she was also attacked. So there are some, spe- there is some speculation on whether or not she 
was driven crazy. But what it sounds like to me is that she started to have the onset of psychosis or schizophrenia. You, you can have situational psychosis. Yeah. When she was talking about, she, she had said that she was having a hard time differentiating because she was having blips um, from, you know, astral plane throughout the day, it would just pop into her head, you know, and she would just, she couldn't tell where she was. Uh, so that makes a lot of sense as well. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I've, I've had friends who uh, do quantum jumping. So quantum jumping is essentially being able to jump around between timelines and, and realities. And, um, some of them can't control it. They do it naturally. They don't know how they do it. And they will literally be sitting in a car driving down the road and they will quantum jump to a different reality with a different family. They know all the history of the family. They know who the people are. They have conversations with them. They're there with them for half a day, a few minutes, whatever. And then all of a sudden they will quantum jump right back and they will still be in the car driving down the road. Only it'll be like five, 10 minutes later. Um, so I can imagine that would be quite scary if you, if you feel like you've lost control of the ability to keep that from, you know, it would feel like your, your world is unraveling, I would imagine. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, I am going to bring back the sulfur. Subject. Okay. So I do believe that sulfur can do that to you. We do have some sulfur. Um, we have some natural ponds around here in Southern mm. Utah that do emit sulfur. And um, my ex-husband worked for construction around here and they were doing some work on the highway and his boss walked down into this area where this natural spring was and was gone for quite a while. And the next thing, um, you know, he knows he, he could hear his boss yelling his son's name, you know? And so he goes down, he runs down there to check on him and see what's going on. And it turns out that he, he went down there to use the restroom, um, as men do. And (laughs) he had stumbled upon this sulfur area. It was emitting a lot of sulfur out of the ground and he started to hallucinate and see things. Um, and he started getting lightheaded. He kind of dropped down to the ground. He was dying from this sulfur, but he also could see his son across the pond. And so he was like yelling to him, get out of here, get out of here. Because the, you know, he obviously realizes something's happening. He doesn't know what it is, but, and he's seeing his son and he doesn't want his son to, you know, experience this stuff. And his son wasn't there. So that is another reason why I'm like, I don't know, you know, she could be experiencing, you know, stuff like this going on. So yeah. (laughs) Hold up, hold up back, back up. Did the dude survive? Yes. Only because he went down, found him, got him out of there. And so, okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. But he would have died if uh, somebody wouldn't have seen him uh, because they did call the, you know, EMTs to come out and check him out. He was down there for quite a while. He, he would have. (laughs) So yeah. Crazy stuff. So another little twist to this is that sulfur is also related to a lot of times people will say that sulfur is the smell you get when a demon is near. Absolutely. (laughs) So, I mean, you've got, it is a very mysterious case. This poor woman, I felt like it was like, at first when I was like listening to this, I'm like, so she just wandered out like a crazy person and just died. 
Like what, why is everybody saying this is so mysterious and it's so right. cold? When and I'm you like, get down what? into it, you're just like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. There's so many things. So yes. it's come to that point. Did we miss anything? Did we talk about everything? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So it comes to the point in the episode where when we do these true crime things and they are related in some way, we believe, or, you know, people believe that they're related to the occult. We say, was it the occult slash witchcraft or was it not? So I don't think it was. I don't think it was either. Oh my God. We agree for the first time. I do believe that the occult was involved. Okay. So yeah, I do want to say she wasn't to occultism, blah, blah, blah. I just don't think that's what killed her. I do not believe that she dug a cross into the ground that the Fae showed up and was like, bitch, what you carving on my house for? <laughs> <laughs> laid the smack down and then went back into their little mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, now I do wonder if maybe somebody killed her. It's a possibility. Absolutely. Um, I, and I do wonder if she was having some kind about, of break. Yeah. And they do talk about that. They think that, um, it might be something to do with the order that she was in, um, that she had upset some people. They found her and that is the really why she went to the island to get away uh they found her there and they killed her so yeah i mean these these people believe that they could go meet and hang out in the astral realm i mean you hear people on social media talk about hanging out in the astral realm and how they astral project to each other's houses and we we end up in people's um dreams all the time like yeah and so i wonder if i'm just like floating along and I'm like hey guys what's up you know just accidentally astral projecting myself out there um but yeah so if these people believe then 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 it's possible if if Dion did get yeeted out of the astral realm by Myra or whatever her name was um it's possible that somebody from a you know that maybe there was warring orders because everybody thinks that theirs is better than the other groups and you know, who, who knows, but, um, but it's really weird that people thought that Myra who was dead. And, and I got to say, if you're powerful enough to yeet somebody out of the astral realm multiple times and cause physical damage to them as well, who's to say after you die, if you don't end up in the astral realm, right? Yeah. If you, as, as you know, you're dying, you don't just like project yourself up there and then buy body and just hang out up there. So who knows? Yes. Maybe yeah. one of these days you guys will astro project and she'll be like, my name's Myra and I founded the Order of the Golden Dawn. You'll be like, I heard about you. <laughs> and you're a little iffy. <laughs> Please don't eat me out of the astral realm. See you later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so so we, we hope you guys found this, you know, interesting. Um, oh, by the way, oops, forgot to say this in the very beginning. Thank you so much to Omelette underscore Blue, I think is what his uh, handle is, for uh, giving this the idea, giving us the idea for this episode. Um, he suggested it, I think it's he, hopefully I'm doing the right pronouns, uh, suggested it to us. Um, and I was like, well, let me go look into this. And so when Lacey was like, what are we talking about? I was like, here you go. Of course, I gave her something completely different accidentally first. We'll talk about that another time. Um, but yeah, it was. It was a it was an interesting uh, read. It was an interesting listen. It was fun to listen to you know other people tell it. So hopefully you guys got a lot out of it. We tried to be yeah. a little educational in there as well. Yeah, <laughs> it was definitely a fun deep dive too because 
I, you know, I love stuff like this to where it's like, oh my gosh, well, I can't, what, what else could it be? You know? So mm-hmm. you just, it, the, the amount of rabbit holes you could go down with this one is crazy. <clears throat> Absolutely. And we, you know, obviously you and I both did a little bit of rabbit hole on our own. Yeah. Um, even in this episode, we did a few rabbit holes. Um, so we would love to hear what you guys think of this. Do you think that she died from one of the many possibilities? Do you think she was murdered? Do you think that the fairy mound got her? Do you believe that she was yeeted from the astral realm and killed? Yeah, um, paranormal or extraterrestrial. Yeah, even extraterrestrial. Those blue lights are still a mystery. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Could have been lightning <laughs> off in the distance. Who, who freaking knows? That? There's all kinds of cool light phenomenons that can happen. Um, yes. So, and I've heard of cool light phenomenons happening over bogs and stuff like that with methane gas and all kinds yes. of other things. If I'm remembering that correctly, hopefully I'm not talking out of my ass. Um, well, it's and, like the Northern Lights, but lower. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. And so- who knows? But um, yeah, I think this was really interesting. And we want you guys to share what you think. If you would like to give us an episode idea, please let us know. And we'll take a look. All right, witches and witchlings, that does it for another episode of The Witches Grim. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with family and friends or head on over to whichever platform you're listening on and leave us a five-star review. We post new content every Friday. If you'd like to stay up to date or engage with us, you can head on over to our Instagram or our Facebook or leave an audio comment on our Anchor app where we might feature you in a future episode. And if you'd like to further support this channel, head on over to Patreon at Patreon slash The Witch's Grim. Until next time, witches and witchlings, keep making magic.